0: Artificial intelligence is already a fundamental part of our personal lives. Many lawyers use Siri, Alexa, Cortana, or similar tools every day. Artificial intelligence can also be a valuable tool for lawyers at work. But if not used correctly, AI can raise serious ethics risks for lawyers. I'm Terry Garland, and you're listening to The Portable Ethics Lawyer. Today, we're joined by Nashiba Kittling, a senior loss prevention lawyer at ALAS, who will tell us about some of the ways that AI is affecting the practice of law and the ethical considerations associated with using AI. Nishiba. welcome. Thanks, Terry. I'm happy to be here. Nishiba. I think it would be helpful for you to start by defining AI. Sure.
1: Let me begin by saying there's no universal definition of AI. However, when I use the term, I'm referring to when a computer or machine is essentially taught to mimic some of what the human mind does. It can include things like understanding language, recognizing objects, and solving problems. Now, some people interchange the terms AI and machine learning, but machine learning and AI are technically not the same thing. Machine learning is an application of AI. With machine learning, you train the machine using an algorithm to analyze data, learn patterns, and glean insights from the data. The idea with machine learning is that you let the computer learn for itself. The machine is supposed to adjust in response to the data it's fed. In other words, as a leading analytics company put it, AI is the broad science of mimicking human abilities, whereas machine learning is the method behind how machines learn from data.
0: Nishiba, I've seen a lot of articles with headlines warning that AI will replace lawyers. Should we be worried about that?
1: I don't think we need to worry about that. Although the legal industry's use of AI is evolving, it hasn't gone that far, and it's doubtful that lawyers could ever be fully replaced by computers. While AI tries to mimic the mind, it's not a replacement for it. As we all know, the law is usually not black and white. There's a lot of nuance to it, and practicing law requires exercising judgment and taking into consideration many factors in a way that I don't think a machine or computer can do. But there are some routine parts of the legal practice for which AI can and has been an effective tool. Let me give you an example. E-discovery software is a form of AI that lawyers have been using for years. As litigators know, Document review can be tedious and time-consuming. E-discovery is supposed to make the process more efficient. Initially, the eDiscovery software available to the legal market was pretty basic. Over time, however, eDiscovery software has become more advanced and is more commonly used. In fact, now we can use sophisticated predictive coding to filter through documents, identify responsive documents, separate privileged ones, and prioritize the documents according to relevancy. And we're also seeing lawyers and firms increasingly implementing other forms of AI into their practice.
0: What are some of the ways that lawyers are using AI?
1: Well, lawyers are using AI for everything from due diligence reviews to preparing documents to contract management.
0: That sounds like quite a broad range of things. Would you tell us a little bit about the role of AI in those areas? Sure. With respect to due diligence reviews,
1: AI can help to automate the process. The computer can be taught to find specific legal concepts in a given set of documents and generate written reports about what was found. There's even some software that can flag particular contract provisions, for example, choice of law, and a large collection of agreements and generate heat maps to show deviations from a template. AI can also prepare documents such as wills and patent applications. And some lawyers have found AI very useful when it comes to contract management. Instead of manually creating a spreadsheet with all of the key terms and dates in a large group of contracts, AI does this automatically. It can also review a contract and determine if the contract meets a given set of criteria and should be approved for execution.
0: Going back to litigators, how are they using AI other than for document review?
1: One way is with litigation analysis. AI can search the data available in public records to predict the outcome of litigation. It can compare the facts of your case with other cases that have been decided and come up with a prediction as to your chances of prevailing. It can also tell you the best place to bring an action. Of course, AI can also help litigators with legal research. The days when lawyers were limited to inputting complex search formulas into Westlaw and Lexis are gone. Lawyers can now use Natural Language Processing, or NLP. NLP is not new, but it's dramatically improved in recent years. For example. One of the major research databases rolled out a new product that's supposed to provide the single best answer to a natural language search. You type your question in just how you would ask it to someone, and the software is supposed to understand the question and give you the best answer. The thought is that using AI with legal research will help produce more accurate results. In addition, AI can assist with brief and memo drafting. The computer scans a database, identifies the strongest arguments, and constructs arguments on both sides in natural language. You can also review a brief to suggest cases that a litigator may want to add. Finally, I'll mention that AI can assist with compliance, including helping a firm spot inappropriate workplace behavior being engaged in by its own lawyers or staff. AI can search company records to discover bad behavior, including detecting the use of cold words and summarizing conversations. Predictive software can also be used to identify patterns of unacceptable workplace behavior, perhaps helping to stop misconduct before it escalates to a lawsuit. But AI isn't being used as counsel to actually represent people, is it? There's one system that I'm aware of that arguably does a form of advocacy. It was created by a 19-year-old who wanted to provide some assistance to people who might not otherwise be able to afford a lawyer. His system is an AI-powered chatbot that lets individuals in New York, Chicago, London, and some other cities contest parking tickets. It's been really successful in helping users avoid paying the tickets, though query whether that presents a professional responsibility issue and amounts to the unauthorized practice of law.
0: Speaking of professional responsibility, let's turn to the ethical implications associated with using AI. What are the main ethics issues?
1: I think there are four big ethical issues raised by AI what I just mentioned, the unauthorized practice of law, the duty of competence, the duty of confidentiality, and the duty to supervise. First, there's a question as to whether some forms of AI amount to the unauthorized practice of law. Let's use the chatbot that contests tickets as an example. The chatbot gives an individual a list of reasons to pick from to contest his or her ticket, and then generates an appeal for the user based on the individual's selections. The chatbot was not created by a lawyer, and it's not a member of any bar. Now, virtually every U.S. jurisdiction has an unauthorized practice of law rule that places restrictions on who may practice law in the jurisdiction. UPL rules exist to ensure that only qualified individuals provide legal services. We know that for a chatbot to work, a human has to provide the chatbot with algorithms or program it so that it can service its users. If that programmer isn't a lawyer authorized to practice in that jurisdiction, or isn't being supervised by a lawyer in that jurisdiction, there could be a UPL problem. Also, I think the more interactive the software is, and less like a mere scrivener, the higher the risk for a UPL violation. In fact, we've seen services like LegalZoom face UPL challenges related to preparation of legal documents, and many of the same arguments presented in those cases could be raised against chatbots.
0: You also mentioned the duty of competence. How does that duty come into play when using AI?
1: I think the most obvious way is that Model Rule 1.1 requires that lawyers keep abreast of changes in the law and its practice, including the benefits and risks associated with relevant technology. 31 states have adopted this Model Rule. Therefore, when it comes to AI, lawyers in the majority of states have an affirmative duty to understand AI technology that may be relevant to their representation of a client. That doesn't mean that lawyers have to be computer science experts. But it does mean that lawyers need to have at least a basic understanding of AI technology and how it works and the risks and benefits of using it. In other words, if you're going to use AI in your practice, you need to know what you're doing. Read directions, do practice runs, complete a tutorial, etc. Spend the time you need to get the necessary technical and operational knowledge. Most AI software, it's not the type of stuff that you should just go buy and roll out with no training. Now, in the alternative, a lawyer also has the option of consulting with other attorneys and vendors who are specialists in this area if the lawyer feels that's a more
0: appropriate course of action. But what about the failure to use AI? Could that implicate the duty of competence in some situations? Yes. The duty of competence
1: also comes into play because there's an argument that not using AI constitutes a violation of Rule 1.1. If you're a lawyer and you know that there's software that will efficiently review discovery and you're not using it, but your opponent is, are you putting your client at a disadvantage? I think there's a legitimate question as to whether a lawyer has an ethical responsibility to consider if using AI will help the lawyer provide better services and or improve efficiency. In that regard, I'm aware of at least one court ordering a party to use AI. In Winfield v. City of New York, the plaintiff complained about the pace of discovery and the city's document review process, which initially included only a manual review of documents. The court ordered a manual review as to some documents, but also required the city to begin to use TAR, Technology Assisted Review, in order to speed up the review process. The court noted that TAR has been shown to produce more accurate results than manual review. Plus, I'd add that if you're not using well-established technology that could save the client money, then there's the potential you're violating Rule 1.5 by charging the client an unreasonable fee.
0: It will be interesting to see if any authority develops on that point. Let's move on to the duty of confidentiality now.
1: Well, the confidentiality concerns with many forms of AI are similar to those that have been raised with the use of cloud storage. With both AI and cloud services, attorneys are using software that's often maintained by a third-party vendor, and therefore, that third party has access to confidential and privileged information. Pursuant to Model Rule 1.6, lawyers have a duty to take reasonable steps to make sure that client information remains confidential. Generally, with respect to AI, This means that a lawyer should take steps to ascertain whether the information maintained by the AI system is reasonably protected against breaches, data loss, and similar risks. As a part of that, it's a good idea to confirm with the AI service providers that the data is limited to necessary personnel, the information is backed up, the data is reasonably available to the lawyer, and the data is reasonably safe from an unauthorized intrusion. And again, If the lawyer isn't capable of assessing the vendor's data security arrangements, they'll need to bring in someone who is. Perhaps the firm's chief technology officer or security officer who is knowledgeable in the area of artificial
0: intelligence. It seems like
1: that also implicates the duty of supervision. You're right. When you're using AI, lawyers have a duty to ensure they're complying with rules 5.1 and 5.3 and properly supervising both lawyers and non-lawyers. The successful use of AI is largely dependent upon the information and instruction it receives. So, if I'm a partner and I've given the associate responsibility for providing me with all the contracts that contain non standard indemnity language, the associate will be the one giving the AI parameters to obtain the desired results. As the partner, I shouldn't take the stack of documents the associate comes back with as gospel because those results are only as good as the parameters that were entered. I should be supervising the associate to ensure that he used the right parameters, and I should be looking at the documents returned to check that they are responsive. But the duty to supervise isn't just limited to when a lawyer delegates the use of AI to an associate, paralegal, or vendor. Lawyers also have a duty to supervise the AI itself under Rule 5.3, which requires supervision of non-lawyer staff. Lawyers need to ensure that the work done by the AI is correct and
0: complete. Would you give us an example of that?
1: Yes, Professor Susan Neville Mart from the University of Colorado Law School recently conducted a study on algorithmic biases in the context of search results from legal databases like Westlaw and Lexis. As we all know, humans have to design the algorithms being used by these research databases. These human programmers decide how the results will be prioritized, what results should be classified together, and how and what is filtered, among other things. For instance, Does the program rank Supreme Court cases above or below more recent cases from lower courts? Does it rank cases with multiple citations above more obscure ones? If your search term has six words and the case only matches five, will the program return the case at all? These are all decisions the programmers made without consulting you, and they make a huge difference in the results the programs return. To test her theory, Professor Neville Mart performed identical searches on a number of different legal databases. Now, you'd probably think that she would get the same results, but she didn't. There was hardly any overlap in the cases that appeared in the top 10 results returned by each database. Only about 7% of the cases were contained in the results in all of the databases. The algorithmic biases impacted the results returned by the various databases. As Professor Neville Mark concluded, legal research has always been an endeavor that required redundancy in searching. Researchers who want full results will need to mine multiple resources with multiple searches. In the context of using AI, this study should serve as a reminder that lawyers have to ensure that there is oversight and review of the AI's work. AI is definitely a hot topic these days. Any parting thoughts for our listeners? AI can be a great tool to help you with your practice, but it's no substitute for you. As the ABA recently noted about the use of AI, Human involvement is still required to interpret data, render legal advice, and fulfill ethical obligations.
0: Neshiba, thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Terry Garland, and this is The Portable Ethics Lawyer.
1: This podcast is provided for educational purposes, to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2018 by Attorneys Liability Assurance
0: Society. All rights reserved.